When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome. You're listening to Showtime with Coop podcast. Insightful BS by my Laker teammates and NBA legends. And we got one of the best in the house today. Uh, he is the true innovator of what they call being posterized. Uh, that's big. Then it goes up to a big poster. We got the one and only. I'm gonna call him because he's a friend of mine and, and a competitor, Dr. J. But I'm gonna call him by his Julius Irving. Doc, how are you doing, sir? I'm doing fine, Michael. <laughs> Everybody hey. calls you Coop. Everybody <laughs> calls you Coop, and that's you know that that's that's the common uh, name in which they know you by. And you know the whole Cooper Loop thing, or whatever. You know you you establish yourself too. You're a very special guy, and I always enjoy competing against you. Thank, thank you, Doc. Um, you know what? I'm gonna just name out a couple of your accolades before we get started, uh, okay? Uh, because there's a whole bunch of them. But you yeah. were 11 time NBA All Star from '97 to '87, five time ABA All Star, uh, mm-hmm. Walter J. <clears throat> Kennedy Citizenship Award winner in 1983. Doc, I won that, and I love that. That's probably one of my most precious awards there. Very special. Very Your number special. 32 is retired by the Brooklyn Nets. Your number six is retired by the Philadelphia 76ers. You are on the NBA 35th anniversary team. You're one of the 50 greatest players on the anniversary of all time. And uh, point-wise, you 30,026 points for a 24-point average, 10,000 rebounds plus some for 8.5 for your career, and 5,176 assists for 4.2 for your career. And, Doc, you know what? That last one, the assist, I don't really chalk that up because if I'm throwing you the ball, I don't need you to throw it back to me. I need you to do what you do better than that score. <laughs> they need to put it up. They need to put it up. Doc, right? is the family doing well? Yeah, family's doing well. Thanks for asking. You know, I got a son over at Cal Berkeley, so he's he's out there. He's a senior this year. And uh, as a matter of fact, I got two other sons out there, two daughters and five grandkids. And uh, here at home, uh, you know, I have a, a boy and a girl. Uh, so they're holding down the fort at home. So that's that's a pretty big family. And uh, family's everything. Family first, man. That's the way it should be. We have been blessed, haven't we? And and I also want to say happy belated birthday. You just turned <laughs> 71 on the last 71, man. Yeah, I'm, I'm catching somebody. But then <laughs> somebody else I'm leaving behind in the dust. <laughs> so, Doc, listen, real quick, yeah. let's get into this. Who were some of your role models growing up back in Nassau in New York? 
Yeah, well, in Nassau County, you know, the athletes, a lot of athletes from, from Long Island. Uh, Jim Brown is is from there. So I always heard about uh, his exploits. And, you know, when he left uh, Manhattan High School, went to Syracuse and, and went on to be, you know, if not the greatest uh, NFL player in history, one of them. And, uh, you know, so he was he was a guy uh, I had to walk past jumping Johnny Green's uh, house to get to school. And I heard oh, he, he was he was playing for the Knicks. Yeah, he used to always get those little tip-ins and you know blend in real well. He was a lefty, and uh, so so to see him play at Madison Square Garden, you know, was 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 pretty special. Uh, other than that, on Long Island, who else was out there? Uh, you know, it's a it's a, there's somebody I'm, I'm forgetting about. Who? Oh, John Mackey, John Mackey. Yeah, the wide the uh, the tight end. For the uh, for, uh, for the Colts, Pittsburgh, and you know, in his last days, I got a long car ride uh, with him that was recognizing he's from Long Island, and it's always uh, special to me because you know he had some dementia. He was repeating himself, but you know, I was just listening like an eager, white-eyed kid does. You know, when you're in the presence of somebody who is ten years or more older than you, who is who has done great things. So I always tried to be that guy to others and, um, you know, do some great things, achieve some things, and then, you know, spread the wealth and, and enjoy that, that feeling and also that understanding of what it takes to, to do those things uh, with the next generation. Doc, uh, and you know, it's, it's funny you would mention Mackey because I enjoyed him. He wore number 88 with the Colts. He was a tight yeah. end. Great, great player, man. Who, who was your nemesis? I had a nemesis growing up in high school, <laughs> a guy that I just couldn't beat. It was this guy named Mark Wolfmeyer. He was a uh-huh. white dude. And every time I saw this guy, he always gave me 35, 40 points in an eight-minute <laughs> game. This is before three-pointers, too. Who was well, that guy for well, you? Well, listen to his name, Wolfmeyer. <laughs> That's intimidating right there. <laughs> I don't want to play against a guy named Wolfmeyer. <laughs> Who was your but, uh, but but you know when I I grew up uh, on Long Island and uh, there was a very special player, a guy named Al Williams, who who went to Niagara. Uh, first year there, he broke all of Calvin Murphy's uh, records, and uh, he was a two sport athlete like Allen Iverson. Played football and, and played basketball. Never lost a football game in his high school high school career. So he was. I thought we were going to be teammates because we grew up together through eighth grade, and then I moved to another community. And suddenly he was on the other team. So this was my boy. And and suddenly, uh, you know, I had to had to face him. And he was a little guy, like five ten, five eleven, or whatever. But but very special, very much uh, like AI. There was a guy named Bill Chamberlain uh, who was in the same class that I was in. And he went to a private school on Long Island. It was called Long Island Lutheran. You know, he was six six. You know, when we were we were juniors, I was like six two and a half, or whatever. So he was not a guy who I could really do anything with. He he got a scholarship to North Carolina, became an All American, an MVP in the NIT, and I, I think you know the pro the pro life just wasn't uh, suited for him. He got injured, got some injuries, and whatever, and, and didn't advance. So you know, there's something about growing and blossoming late as opposed to early, you know, because, I mean, I, I, I can name a half a dozen guys who at age 12 or 13, they could do everything I've seen anybody do on a basketball court. And they yep. were still doing 
same thing at 16 and doing the same thing at 20 and they hadn't grown any <laughs> or whatever. So there's something to being a late bloomer. Well, you know, Doc, I, I consider myself a late bloomer. I was uh, probably about six feet, six one in high school as a senior. I was, I was blessed with athleticism, but I had a growing spurt. Uh, I hit my growing spurt my first year in college. I went to junior college. I grew like four inches that summer. Were your wow. hands and arms always that long and that big? Yeah, well, you know, I was six, three and a half when I came out of high school. So I grew three inches and gained 30 pounds in college, but I always had the big mitts. I always had uh, big <laughs> mitts and, 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 and had fun using them. And I always had big shoes, which meant I had to wear shoes and sneakers for a long time because shoes cost a lot of money. And, and, and with my well, mom. Hand me downs from somebody else. <laughs> hey, my mom raising three kids. Uh, you know, they, they, we didn't have a whole lot of money for shoes and sneakers. So uh, that, was, that was part of the hustle. Do you remember the first time you dunked? Football is back, and BetOnline is your number one source for all your football betting needs and sports info this season. Find all of the latest football odds, news, and game matchups, including this year's opening week games. BetOnline is your continued source for all your wagering information, including live betting, free contests, and live scores. Always the fastest and easiest way to bet all your favorite sports and events, including Major League Baseball, MMA, tennis, boxing, and even golf. Head to BetOnline AG to join and receive your 100% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Make sure to use promo code CLNS50 to receive your rewards. BetOnline, where the game starts. Don't sit on the sideline anymore. Get in on the fun, in-season action at BetOnline. Don't forget to use my special Michael Cooper promo code of CLNS50 to get a 50% sign-up bonus with your first deposit. BetOnline today at BetOnline.ag, your online sportsbook expert. The first time I dunked was on an eight-foot basket in my, at my elementary school. And on one side, they had an eight-foot basket. The other side, they had a nine-foot basket. So we used to kill that eight-foot basket. <laughs> the nine-foot basket used to kill us. And then finally, we got it. You know, we started killing the nine-foot basket and then eventually led to the 10-foot basket. But by the time I got to the 10-foot basket, I had all kinds of tricks, you know, inside out, switching hands, around the back, over the head. I had all kinds of tricks for, for dunking on those lower baskets. So there's a note you, can, you develop a, your creativity on them lower baskets. Absolutely, absolutely. Without the risk of falling from ten feet, right? <laughs> Could you always palm a ball, Doc? I mean, because I used to do it with a tennis ball. I couldn't palm a basketball. <laughs> no. Oh man, all those moves I saw you making, flying in the air, stuff. You couldn't palm a ball. <laughs> imagine, imagine if you could palm it, man. <laughs> How much of a difference that would have made. So it. It was some advantages, and you know, I remember Rick Barry and Bill Russell doing a comp, uh, a, a cast of a uh, show, a, a basketball game, and Rick Barry said, "Oh man, is Dr. J? He, man, he can do all that tricky stuff because he got big hands." And Bill said, "I got big hands, and I can't do it." <laughs> so, so I don't think it's just the big hands. I think you need to, you know, refine them and use them. And the big hands are a blessing, but you still need to learn how to use them. Oh, for sure, for sure. So, Doc, you go through high school, you get to college, you only spend, what, a year or two in college, and then three, you jump, make three. the jump, and go to the ABA. Yeah. Why? Yeah. 
Yeah, three years in college, because I went there as a student athlete, mm -hmm. and I wanted to get my degree. So freshman year, we played freshman basketball. Our team was 17 and 0, so we were really good. Then the next year, we were 18 and 6. Didn't get an NCAA bid, but we went to the NIT. We lost to the eventual champions who were the North Carolina Tar Heels, and they had that guy, Bill Chamberlain, on committee, and he was MVP. And then the next year, we were uh, 20, 23 and 2 and got snubbed by the NCAA, so we went back to the NIT, and uh, we played Marquette. And they beat us. And Marquette won the tournament that year, and North Carolina also won the tournament. Uh, the hey, Doc, so, Doc, let me let me let me interrupt you for a quick second. I want you to go back to something you said that was important for our younger listeners about mm -hmm. the fact of being a student athlete yep. going yeah. to school. Why was that important for you? Yeah, to so so you know, I promised my mom and Celia when I was tempted to sign and I got an offer. I said, Mom, I'm going to finish college because I, I, I you'd always taught me to finish what you start. And I said, I don't know how long it's going to take, but uh, I'm not giving up on pursuing my degree. And she was an educator as well. So so she knew the importance of it. So I left after my junior year and then I, I just needed to make up a year. And so, you know, I didn't elect to go to summer school and I kind of lollygagged around a little bit, you know, just uh, showcasing my newfound fame as a professional athlete. And then it hit me one day, man, you need to go ahead and get your degree. You need to finish. And so they had a university without walls program. And UMass was one of the schools that I think were there in the beginning, the founders of that particular program. And I got through, man, I got through, I had to do papers and I had to do research. They allowed for some of uh, what I did professionally to count as credit towards the degree. And then I marched with the class of 86. Congratulations, so Came out with the class of, of uh, 86, and, and that was a proud moment for my family and for me. How, Doc, how old were you then? Well, it was 18 years, so I was 36. So I was 36, yeah. So you make the jump to the ABA. Yeah. What was that like uh, for you joining a new league, the red and white basketball? It wasn't the NBA. <laughs> what was that like for you? Yeah, um, you know, I think it was a pretty good step in my evolution as a person and as an athlete. Uh, going going to the ABA for me, I mean, I I I thought it was an honor to be a pro. You know, I, I wasn't one of those guys walking around, you know, with my chest pumped out. I mean, I averaged my last year of college, I averaged like you know twenty seven points and twenty rebounds or whatever. So I'm on that short list of people who in their college career averaged more than 20 points a game and more than 20 rebounds. And just to mention those two stats. So the way it affected me was I, I just did my job when I got out there, you know, and I would chase the ball and uh, score the ball. Guards were jacking it up. I'd right, get rebound, put it back up, <laughs> put it back in, you know, the same way you saw, the same way you saw me play. So, um, you know, what did that, what did that mean? I mean, it, it just meant that, okay, I was uh, one of the lucky ones who got a chance to go play college basketball. And then when they came after me, when the ABA came after me, um, you know, it, it, there was some discovery because, you know, I'm like, well, you know, they come and they think I'm good enough to, 
to to make their team and play on their team and you know let's give it a shot so I wasn't ego tripping I was success driven but not ego tripping and when I went down to camp um, actually before I went to camp I played in the summer league the pro summer league and when I played in the pro summer league because I had signed a contract that was a revelation for me because now I was playing with grown men and playing for real and you know basically you know playing with guys who got paid to do this yeah so I had a successful tour with the Rucker League in New York the pro league they actually gave me my nickname of Dr. J um what you think of that doc when they yeah. gave you that what did you think of that well, they, they were calling me the claw and they was calling me Black Moses and, you know, all these different names. And I was like, well, you know, the doctor's been my name for a long time with my high school buddies and college buddies. So Dr. J evolved out of the doctor instead of being called those other things. And, and then when I went to training camp, you know, after the first couple of scrimmages, because it was a free agent camp, the trainer said, to the coach, Al Bianchi said, you know, you need to sit him down because these guys, they're going to try to hurt him, you know, because I was dunking on him and I was, you know, <laughs> I was I was doing my thing. That's the big afro. Don't forget that. Taking <laughs> it, baking it, taking it hard to the rack. He said, they're going to they take him out. So they took me out the game. And for most of the training camp, I sat as opposed to playing, you know. So that was the difference between the ABA too because it was, you know, the more liberal – and open-minded and things weren't you know lines and columns it was it was more creativity and George Gervin always talks about that Charlie Scott you know started over in the ABA Rick Barry Artis Gilmore Dennis and George McGinnis you know just just a lot of guys who I think starting their careers uh there did make a difference because you know you want you want ego trip all right it's crazy to think about how the ABA situation with you went versus like how stars of the NBA have it today. <laughs> like, so you had yeah, to fight right. with the owner of the Squires to talk. I mean, it was just incredible. <laughs> yeah. The ownership in the, in the ABA, uh, Earl Foreman owned our team and, and, uh, you know, they had some wild and woolly guys all across the league, Roy Ball on the Nets and uh, Oakland Oaks, uh, Pat Boone owned the, the Oakland Oaks, and you know I'm Larry Keenan. Larry Keenan. Uh, yeah, Larry. Larry was a teammate in New York, so that, that was like my third year when we drafted Larry Keenan, and we had Keenan and Williamson, John Williamson, and Larry Keenan, and you know, both of them were, you know, awesome, awesome ball players, and and they were treated, they're kind of treated differently because they went to the ABA. And the reality of it is, you know, you come out of college, whether you go ABA or NBA, it really, really shouldn't matter. But, you know, they, you know, they're suppressing the stats and all that kind of stuff. But but you got it right in terms of, you know, giving me the props with the 30,000 points and 16 all-star games instead of, you know, just limiting it to the, to the NBA. So I do appreciate that because, you know, everybody doesn't do that. You're listening to Showtime with Coop podcast, and we got the one and only Dr. J. Doc, we're at the point now of what I call Coop's lightning round. I'm going to give you some names, and you can talk about them as long or as short as you want to, okay? Mm-hmm. First name, Billy Cunningham. Well, Billy was a great player, great coach, uh, Hall of Fame. Every aspect of his game was um, 
um, worthy of note. He was the type of guy who bring people out of their seats. That's why they call him the kangaroo kid. <laughs> That's right. Oscar Robertson. Oscar, best all around, all time. You know, my all time uh, great player. When I, when I named my starting five for all time, I go back to when I was 15 years old and Oscar's the captain of that team. The late, great, and my personal friend, uh, Moses Malone. Well, Big Mo, uh, all in everything. I mean, when Mo got to town, you know, suddenly I think Maurice Cheeks said it best. He said, I think we got a chance of winning every night, you know? And very few teams have that mentality where every night you figure, well, we got a good chance of winning this game, even if we don't play well. So that was that 83 team. And, and uh, you know, Moses was uh, was the you know, he was, he was the mountain and we, you know, climbed, climbed on his shoulders and, you know, all of us who were good players, I think uh, the Los Angeles hosted the all-star game that year. Yeah. And we had, uh, had myself and Cheeks and Tony and Moses. And maybe there was an argument for Bobby Jones to, to be on the all-star team representing the East because he was the best defensive player in the East and whatever. So with four guys uh, repping, uh, that year, that 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 year was a blessing, and Moses was truly a blessing. Willie Sojourner. Oh man, now now you're talking about ABA. <laughs> you know, <laughs> Willie and I came in together, and we roomed together, and you know, he came out of Weber State, so he was in kind of a little bit of a big time basketball program. He was their first draft pick, and you know, they had high expectations of him, and uh, and I just loved him, man. He's he taught me a lot about Philadelphia before I even became, you know, involved uh, with Philadelphia and him and Mike Sojourner, you know, they were, they were a little kooky or whatever, but uh, he had a nice touch. He, you know, it's, 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 uh, I look at Joel Embiid, man. He's like the second coming of Willie Sojourner. He's got those soft wow. hands move wow. outside. And uh, that, that's how good Willie was you know, to compare him to a young rising star like Embiid. Um, the uh, Medgar Evers. Medgar Evers. Now, I, I played in the Medgar Evers League, but never met him because, you know, the generation uh, before me, mm-hmm. um, you know, they, I think their league was in Chicago. Um, uh, so I don't know a whole lot about him personally that I could, I could talk about in terms of never having met him. Uh, David Stern. Uh, David... You know, the NBA is so indebted to, to David for figuring something out that was right in front of everybody for decades. And just in terms of how to make this thing work, how to make the melting pot, uh, which is the NBA, an association uh, for one and for all that could benefit one and for all forever, uh, he should be given credit for that. The late and probably one of the Zaniest people that you've ever played with, but never played the NBA. The late Daryl Dawkins. <laughs> well, he did play in the NBA because he was my teammate in Philly, and we we played for the NBA championship uh, three times in six years. And uh, and and as you know, uh, we were runner ups <laughs> in, in those six years. So he so he had his championship experience uh, when he left. Uh, the Philly and went to the Nets. You know, he played the 
second half of his career. So yeah, I think he only played with two teams. And this was a phenomenal guy, a prodigy coming out of high school and going straight to the pros from high school. Quick wit, great sense of humor, a special guy who was a character on and off the court, especially on the bus rides down down to to Maryland or the bus rides to New York from Philly. (laughs) Uh, Sonny Hill. Well, you know, Sonny, Sonny's a genius, man. He's, I, I, I never saw him play, but I just heard stories mostly from him <laughs> about how good he, about how good he was. And he had to be able to do some of the things that he said. <laughs> so he was, uh, Doc, uh, this, this last person, and I only bring him up because it used to, I, I mean, I love him, but it used to just pain me because every time he played the national anthem, you guys beat us. The late Grover Washington. Yeah, yeah. This is the last guy we're gonna be able to talk about because I got a four o'clock. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. But uh, Grover Washington Jr. was a good, good friend. Uh, special in so many ways, uh, not only musically, but I remember the composition that he did during one of our games uh, called "Let It Flow" for Dr. J, and got a chance to share time with his family. Uh, you know, his kids. Uh, Shana and Lil Grover. Uh, we used to shoot pool. We used to, you know, play tennis and uh, try to play a little basketball. Although I had a high. Last thing for Doc, the dunk on Michael Cooper. What was your <laughs> thoughts when that play started happening? And was that probably your best dunk that you've ever done? Hey, fellas, let's talk about something we can all use more of right now: sex, and I mean great sex. Guys, now you can increase your performance and get that extra confidence in bed. Listen up. BlueChew.com. That's blue like the color blue. Blue Chew brings you the first chewable with the same FDA-approved active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis. You can take them anytime, day or night, even on a full stomach. So you can be ready whenever she wants that time to happen. Blue Chew is made in the U.S., It's prescribed online by licensed physicians, so you don't have to go to the doctor or wait in those tedious long lines. It's even cheaper than a pharmacy, and they prepare and ship it right to you in a discreet package. No awkwardness, and you don't even have to leave the house. If you could benefit from more confidence when it counts, Blue Chew is a fast and easy way to enhance your performance. Right now, we got a special deal for our listeners. Visit BlueChew.com and get your first shipment free when you use our special promo code SHOWTIME. Just pay $5. Again, that's B-L-U-E-CHEW.com. Promo code SHOWTIME to try it free. BlueChew is the better, cheaper choice, and we thank our sponsor, BlueChew, for this podcast. And remember, when you support our sponsors, you can help make this podcast possible. So please be sure to use our promo code SHOWTIME at BlueChew.com. That's SHOWTIME at BlueChew.com. And stay ready. Last thing for Doc, the dunk on Michael Cooper. What was your (laughs) thoughts when that play started happening? And was that probably your best dunk that you've ever done? No, the best one was on Alvin Hayes. You got second place on this one, Cooper. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. Thank you, Doc. Yeah, you got second place, man. You know, what were your thoughts when you're going to yeah, do that? You know, Cheeks chips the ball. I go and retrieve it. 
uh, coming down the left sideline and, you know, seeing you, seeing you out the corner of my eye, knowing what a good defensive player and a great defensive player you are and probably uh, something you wanted to block. So, I don't know. I just I kind of went into the float zone, you know, rocked it a little bit and, and held it back. And really, when you jumped, I think it was a matter of waiting you out a little bit. And you got we were like soaring in the air together. And it was really a nice feeling, a nice moment, although it happened so fast. And then, you know, you, you were getting so close to the rim, you ducked. You ducked and, you know, next thing I know, kaboom. And, you know, the move was just run back down the court and forever be entwined in one of the uh, better basketball players in NBA history. Doc, I'm going to tell you this before I let you go. My thought process, and when you were going down there, I said, you know what? I got an opportunity to mm-hmm. block the greatest dunker that's never played <laughs> in this game. And I said, you know what? If I can get to the rim before him and get turned, I'm going to block the shot. And the next yeah. thing I knew, by the time I got to the rim, you were on my back. And yeah. I said, you know what? Yeah, Let you me just shot get out by. the way. You what? Shot. Yeah, you just shot by, man. What you shot by? Then I just had an uh, easy one to the bank. I got to go, bro. Okay, Doc, thank you so much, man. Really appreciate you, man. It was blessing to you and everything, okay? All right, man. I'll see you this summer. Okay, see you, Doc. All right.